Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This wonderful music was created by our son, Douglas Pinsky. And you can find his music on drdrew.com. Uh, you can actually have podcast music made via Douglas Pinsky by going to drdrew.com. And I think it's called musicforpod.com. Okay. And here's an example of it. Oh, yeah. It's Swole Patrol. It's Swole Patrol Podcast. The best podcast about health and fitness. We talk about being buff and using drugs to make your body look like a giant penis. All veiny and all swole. And our guest is Chrissy McHagney. She is awesome. Donuts and Deadlifts is one of her companies. I like both of those things. So this should be good. <laughs> wow yeah another, another I, I just keep rifling them out masterpiece uh our guest today chrissy may cagney this is a woman who has so much to say and has so much i mean she honestly has so much credit that is worth mentioning that i don't even think i'd do it justice i'm just gonna go right into it and say it's a pleasure to have you here and it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast i i'm being honest when i say that you've accomplished so much that, so much that's really worth mentioning um, that I don't even think I really should kind of give you credits. I'd rather you just talk about how you got into the fitness uh, world and and what drew me to you. I never. I want you to know something. And this is okay. God's honest truth. I never do any legwork to get guests. I just rely on either friends of mine in the fitness industry. I'd be like, hey, come on my podcast. Don't be a dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll have the producer of the show, this nice young lady, Michelle, will reach out to people and then I'll say yes or no. I, right. I got on her ass about getting you on the show because I was so motivated by your story. I'm in recovery myself and uh, oh, okay. your okay. level of honesty and your transparency um, is something that's really kind of beautiful. And it's not – you're not an exhibitionist. You're just someone who's put yourself out there uh, uh, to help others and uh, it's really very nice. And I wanted to give you that compliment, and now I'll give you a chance to maybe uh, introduce yourself to our audience, if you could. Oh, man, I'm so bad about talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Chrissy McCagney. I own Donuts and Deadlifts and Black Iron Gym and Black Iron Nutrition and LO Supply Co. and DNDL MFG. <laughs> and I kind of fell into each from the previous one, so... Um, I, my parents were both triathletes, so I was kind of like born into fitness as that's how they met. And so I grew up very athletic, playing a lot of team sports, doing a lot of running, biking, swimming, stuff like that. And so I started having behavioral problems in elementary school. And so kind of sports and athletics were the one thing that would always pull me away or, I mean, improve, like improve those issues that I had, um, and, improve my social behaviors with, with other kids and stuff. And so as time went on, you know, I started, um, using in high school and that was around the time where I got very involved in fitness. And then, um, yeah, I, I fell into fitness essentially just by joining a strength and conditioning class my junior year in high school. And I got put in charge. I was the only girl in the class and the other girl in the class was actually blind. So 
I got put in charge of kind of mentoring her through class. And that was kind of my first experience, like personal training or coaching, so to speak. And then that was just personal training was just my side job all through college. Was it something that you took seriously or was it just kind of a means to an end and a good way to make extra cash? Means definitely means to an end. I had absolutely zero intention of going into the fitness industry. And it, it seemed like uh, I, I saw a lot of parallels in your use and mine when it comes to drug use and alcohol in that mm-hmm. it kind of worked for a while, at least from what I read about you. And that is what tricks you into thinking that you could pull it off. I mean, for me, I, I, I still I wasn't a full fledged shitbag deadbeat until the very end. I mean, I could kind of convince myself that I could live my life and drink and use at the same time. Did you did you yeah. suffer from that, unfortunately, as well? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I went through because, like, I I was a good student. And even though I was fucked up all the time, I always had good grades. I always stayed in school um, and caught – well, I had an ankle monitor on a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to. Um, but, yeah, I was – I always, like, really liked being in school and I always really liked learning. Like, and I always – I it was just – I battled those demons. And then I, another thing is like, I got into bodybuilding around the time I was like 18 or 19 when my drug use was really bad. And anytime I would quit using, I would gain weight, which was not ideal for bodybuilding. And I kind of went back and forth like this for a year of using and then trying to compete in bodybuilding. And obviously the two do not go hand in hand. And so um, it was just really ugly for a while because I wasn't properly using fitness the right, the right way for a few years. And not to jump ahead too much. Oh, go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. I just think there's a lot of people who probably do stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there's a common misconception that anyone involved in, in physique no. competitions yeah. is healthy. And yeah. uh, that's not necessarily the no, case. No, I mean, just, you know? the, just the steroid use itself is, yeah. is, is not about health. <laughs> well, and also with, with females, I would imagine it's not even just the anabolics. It's a lot of it's just like the clenbuterol or the winstrol and, and – Anavar. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's yeah. a it's a it's a dirty game. It's a dirty game for sure. How how did you eventually separate the unhealthy aspects of the fitness industry and be able to kind of distill it down into to making it something that was helping you in recovery as opposed to uh, uh, hindering it? Well, the as like because I went through, so I tried to get sober. I was like going back and forth for about the two years before I actually finally quit cold turkey. And so there was two years of constant like sober for a few weeks relapse and just like that. And so that was around the time I got into CrossFit and CrossFit was one of the things that was really helpful at the time. And then um, I kind of fell off of it because it was expensive and I couldn't afford it. I was an addict and I didn't have a hundred something dollars laying around a month for CrossFit. And then when I finally realized that Reno was kind of the main problem with my drug use and that I had to get out of Reno. I moved down to Southern California and the gym that I joined down there was a strength and conditioning gym, but like more on the powerlifting, weightlifting side of things opposed to CrossFit. And that was, I fell in love with it. And that was the one thing that actually had the power to like pull me away from all of the using. What gym was that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Rise Above Fitness. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you, you realize that, you know, kind of powerlifting and, and pure strength training Absolute strength is is where it's at for you, and right. at this point, uh, how you're you're a business owner or no? It, it's still that's still kind of like a pipe dream and something that was far off from. 
Well, what was interesting about working there is I kept getting promised I was going to get my own location. And so I kept putting, you know, more and more effort and energy into that gym. But meanwhile, the whole around that time, I was still, I had gotten out of all of the using, but I was still drinking really heavily at the time. Um, so because I was drinking so much, it just, it just never happened. I never got my own gym. And so I kept pouring more and more into it and not getting enough out of it. And then I just realized that the issue is, is that my drinking problem was completely out of control. I had finally quit the drugs and then the drinking. Let me, you know, let me ask something because that just, yeah, I know addicts awfully well. And that's not uh-huh. a normal thing to arrive at unless something hits you in the <laughs> face. So I'm wondering what happened that got through to you. Because otherwise, a, re- a good addict will just sit in resentment. Yeah. <laughs> real, uh, I quit yeah. drugs, god damn it. Yeah, I'm stop, I'm not, it's not I, happening. Yeah, I'm not doing meth anymore. God damn it, give me a gym. <laughs> uh, it, I just was losing one person after another. I lost my dad. Okay. And not like he didn't die. He, right. <laughs> I lost him and my best friend, who was my dad. And I lost every single friend I had in Reno. I started to lose my mom. And okay. I essentially lost every friend I had in Southern California to the point where I was drinking a bottle of whiskey a night by myself. Mm. And and I was waking up and I was still drunk and I was going to Rise Above Fitness and training my clients at five or six in the morning hammered. And I was starting, you know, people were like noticing and then I thought I was going to lose my career and I was like the loneliest I had ever been in my life. Got it. And I knew it needed to stop, but I just wasn't ready. So it, it went on for three or four more months. And then... Uh, on May 28th of 2013, I woke up in the hospital ah. twice. <laughs> After a seizure or something? Um, yeah, I was, I, I essentially drank and I hadn't used for a while. And so I drank and used for six days straight, like 24 hours nonstop. We ended up in San Diego and then back up to LA and then Orange County. And then, um, I got, I got date raped in hunt out in Huntington beach that, Saturday and my friends had to take me to the hospital and then um I went and immediately back out and continued to drink and use when I got out of the hospital because I was so upset and then that's when I woke up in the hospital uh, on May 28th and I was having alcohol and new seizures that makes more sense now that is (laughs) now it starts to come into focus (laughs) (laughs) that was the slap in the face I was 25 24 25 25 oh my gosh that makes more sense yeah, because yeah. addicts were just, you know, Mike, Mike, you did have a similar story, that part too. I did, but you know what, I my my coming to grips moment, my coming to God moment wasn't a big punch in the face. But you had like multiple was, near-death things. I had absolutely yeah. a ton yeah. of times where I woke up in the hospital and I didn't yeah. necessarily know why and uh, woke up right. in jail. And used that as a reason to keep using. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. that never seemed to get through to me. Um, but, you know, I obviously... The, you know, let's not gloss over the fact that the, there was a, a myriad of things that were dangerous there. I'm sure there was DUIs, there was accidents, whatever it may be. Yeah. But to put yourself in the position, and I, by uh, by no stretch of the imagination am I blaming you, but but to put yourself in a situation where then you finally you get the the date rape happens. Yeah. That has to be for a female. That's something you know, Drew and I can't yeah, we yeah. can't even put ourselves in that yeah. mind frame. That must have been just. Devastating, it, and give you a sense of powerlessness that you yeah, probably had. But she was for. running away from it, though. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, and it it feels just gross. Yeah. And then you wake up, and you're like, you're like, what the? Like, you know what I mean? And you don't even, and you're trying to figure out what happened, and you can't. And you're replaying it, and you're hoping the sky doesn't wake up anytime soon. And it's like, and then you just don't know. Like, you don't know. Did I get that? Did I get that drunk? Did I do that? And like, it's and like, 
I know countless girls who this has happened to who have like, whether they wake, they get so drunk, they don't even know what they're doing, but to wake up and to wonder if you were responsible for this and right. like, you know, it just feels gross. It's, it's the gross and you can't tell anybody because it, it's gross. And then you just have to live with it. And so Terrible. even, even though you, you woke up in the hospital and you had to go through that horrible experience, there's still a lot of work to be done to become an empowered person. <laughs> what, what is it that mo- just beyond even getting sober, what is it that motivates you to take such a drastic change and to become the person that you are today, which is nothing short of really extraordinary. Um, yeah. what was that? What was that spark? Because Drew very easily sniffed out the, 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 the wake up moment, you know, <laughs> the alcohol induced seizures, but uh, that's just waking up. What was the spark yeah. that got into you that made you decide, you know oh, what, I'm going to take the world by storm? Um, okay. So I don't think I've ever really publicly like said this on, I mean, everybody knows it happened, but I don't think I've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm shaky and I can't believe I'm going to talk about this, but I feel like it's so important because it's so responsible for who I am. So my first year of sobriety, I was a piece of shit. <laughs> I wasn't drinking. I wasn't using, but I was like, so I just felt like I had so much to prove the world and I was so aggressive and I was so angry with myself and everybody else. And like, I was just not the best person. And like, I was always calling everybody out on social media and like, you just being a bully. Mm-hmm. And so I played your, I, you, I, huh? Do you imagine that's unusual? Do I think that's unusual? Yeah. No. Like, okay. I was just cause you're, I, you're, I wasn't it's like you're blaming yourself for that. And it's like, eh, it's the first year of sobriety. Right. So you're all over the yeah. place. All right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was a shit and I wasn't working on myself. Like I did the, I did the, you know, 30 meetings in 30 days at AA and it like, it wasn't really for me, but I like stayed in the AA thing. I tried the sponsor thing and I never like really did the, the work on myself the first year. Yeah. So I started writing a lot because writing was like, my, I'm shaking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> writing was like my outlet for my sobriety. And so I was like writing, 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 putting out like articles, information, like personal stuff, everything, everything I could. And so I started agreeing to more than I could handle. And I made the really big mistake of plagiarizing an article. Mm. So this is no secret. Like every, like, I think everybody knows I did this. This was like four or five years ago. So I put it on my website because I said I would get it done. And then um, nobody caught it for a couple months. And then it got caught a couple months, like a, like a month, like after my year of sobriety. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm shaking. Mm. I wanted, I was so humiliated. Alan Argon of all people called me out. And was like, you of all people know better than this. And I got slammed so publicly, so hard. I was humiliated. And then it was like a witch hunt. Everybody was trying to just like, you know, like, what else has she done? What else? She's an addict. She's an addict. This is what addicts do. And I was like, I didn't even know what to do because I hadn't worked on myself yet. And I thought my life was over. I was like, this is it. Like, my career is done. You're done fucked up for the last time, you stupid idiot. Like, I, that was it. And so I booked a three-week trip in Europe and Africa. And I went and I did some soul searching and I thought I was just going to shut everything down, delete my Instagram, go get a nine to five, just, you know, run away. And then I went on that trip and I came back and I did everything in my power to make it right. And I fessed up to everything I did. And I, I realized like I was being an addict, like stealing other people's work, like hiding, lying, you know, and I, and getting called out for that and publicly telling everybody on every social media account I had that I did that. And like a couple of other things that, you know, just like 
dishonest things I hadn't been transparent about, photoshopping pictures because I was insecure about my body. Um, and I just put it all out there. <laughs> and that was the defining moment for me as a person and in my career. From that day on, I was sober. I was dry that first you know, year yeah, and right, a couple months right. and I didn't work on myself and I was being so shitty and I am not proud of who I was for that year, year, year and a half at all. But like that, getting, doing that, plagiarizing and own, getting called out for it and letting it almost ruin me and then owning up to it, that is what changed every single thing in me as a human being and like my work ethic and like how I approach everything with like who I am. Like that was it. It's really interesting. I mean, that that's, it's kind of a unique story. I mean, I, I, a lot of people have these moments of change where they do things that they discuss themselves one way or another, but this is really about dishonesty for you and, and the yeah. moment of rigorous honesty, you know, from that moment forward, rigorous honesty had to be your second to second way of living. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you'd slip right back into all this. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, it's a great it really story. <laughs> it really is because there aren't a lot yeah. like that out there. And it's another, you know, it's a, and recoveries take all kinds of forms. And I think this one's a very vivid, because, you know, recovery comes through moments of change, Right. Right. And, and you had your unique moment and uh, it's very vivid. Very yeah, vivid. it was. Yeah, it's it's weird because like I own it so hard and like mm. I made an example out of myself, but it's like weird because people still know me as a plagiarizer. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, you have like, to be okay with that. You have to be yeah, just, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. that's okay. I yeah. did that. And if yeah. that's how people want to label me with everything else I've done, that that's yeah. what they want to focus on, they're allowed to do that. That's yeah. okay. It's not up for me to decide. Well, and I would imagine that everyone else can still look at you as a plagiarist, but the fact that you can look at yourself as the person who came forward and had that moment of honesty, right. that kind of makes up for everything. It really it probably well, and the, the addict, her, is the plagiarist, right? Yeah. Not her, right? Yeah, right. So it's, it's – and people don't know how to make that distinction. Okay, well, that's on them. <laughs> I, and, feel, right. I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them if they can't make that distinction. What was the yeah. response from people on social media, which can be particularly brutal? After you did it, you oh. had that catharsis and you come forward and you're rigorously honest. Was there – a good share of positive kind of feedback? It was like a, it seems like a 75, 25, like it it made people either love me or hate me. And a lot of people like forgave me because there was also a lot of people who blew the entire thing out of proportion and said I had plagiarized everything. And like, you know, and there people just spread rumors and like half were true and half were completely made up. And I just kind of sat back and let it happen, you know? And um, a lot of people who like knew me personally and like knew that a lot of the things that were being said weren't true started to stick up for me. And like, I thought it was over, man. I was so, but I just like kept working away and I don't know. It was just like the strangest thing to come on the uh, out, like on the other side of, but like, I don't know. It was crazy. Cause I felt like the people who did support me through that, like supported me even harder on the other side. And like, I have people who comment on my Instagram, like I've been, I've followed you since before you got sober. And I'm like, okay, so you've stuck around through some shit, (laughs) you know? So, like, it's just cool. And, like, I just appreciate those people so much. And, like, to just see me for who I am and to let me evolve, like, just to let me evolve into, like, what I am now, you know? And and have you found – because you could tell uh, just by talking to you. There's a real level of, of like of like a, like a, almost an aggressive honesty now. There's a, there's an authenticity to you that you're speaking from the heart, and there's no kind of facade there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have you found that that's been crucial in building your your fitness business now? Because yeah, client, clients can trust you in a certain way. 
Yeah. And I, I get told I'm transparent to a fault all the time and that I like, I overshare and I'm, you know, but like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I'm not that person that posts on Instagram several times a day and I don't let everybody know what's going on. Like, I feel like I share what's important and I share what could potentially help other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just don't have anything to hide, you know? And it's like, I, I'm a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because I am so forward and I am so transparent, but I don't know. Like, I, I just think with me, people know you kind of like you get what you see and you see what you get and just take it or leave it. And I don't know. I'll I'll let you know that a lot of that, a lot of that probably has to do with being female because Mm -hmm. I found that guys like me, other guys, you know, who are open about addiction and their past ways and waking up with women that they don't know, uh, Mm -hmm. you, there's a lot of like, man, it's really refreshing to hear you be so open about it. And then when a girl does it, it's like, wow, this might be a little bit too much for me to take, but, but continue with it because like, don't let that deter you. But I I will say that there's something to that, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, when a woman does it, she's an exhibitionist. When a guy does it, he's being honest and transparent. Yeah, I get, I have people like, there's a certain part to the story of the weekend that I, uh, the the final weekend, I like to call it. Um, It's like pretty graphic. And when I tell it, it's just part of the damn story. You know what I mean? And people are just like, oh my God, I can't even believe you. And I'm just like, part of the story. Like, sorry (laughs) if you're grossed out by it, you know, I don't know. What uh, what ha- what are you like in training now? I mean, to shift gears a little bit, um, you you bounce Ooh. around. You're someone who has a lot of experience in a lot of different fields, and most people um, who dive into CrossFit don't really move away from it. Most people who dive into powerlifting don't really dive away from it. Most people who are into bodybuilding, females especially, in a physique in a physique sport, don't really deviate from that. But you've managed yeah. to uh, <laughs> dip your toes into a lot of different pools and and do it pretty pretty successfully um what is your training like now and how do you incorporate a lot of those different disciplines um so right now i actually got diagnosed with gastroparesis oh no um, from from what from what they don't know what caused it i it could have been from an eating disorder in college it could have been i got diagnosed with celiac disease last year too so essentially um i my stomach was emptying really slow like off and on for months and then it started to get worse and worse to the point where it wouldn't empty for days Mm. and so i got diagnosed with that and so i'm have i can't eat a ton so my diet's really modified right now where we're getting that under control so i'm essentially training like as I feel like I can. And as I have time, I'm supposed to be doing a powerlifting meet in two months. (laughs) We'll see what happens. I'm 30 pounds lighter than what I normally compete at. So 30 pounds, holy mackerel. Yeah. I normally compete in the 158 class and I'm like anywhere between like 128, 132 right now. It must be hard having to, having battled, um, uh, weight issues in the past and by, by weight issues i mean like a, yeah. an eating disorder it must be so hard to have to fluctuate that much and 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 keep saying yeah it's just like i went so when the lightest i was when my drug use my senior year of high school is when i was using meth Whew. and that's when i got down to 96 pounds and so it seemed like through kind of like high school and college i would go from like 100 pounds to like 130 And then as I got into strength training, that's when I started to gain good weight that I wanted to gain. And then I got very heavy for a little while. So I got up to 195. Oh, my goodness. And then um, when I got my sickest last year, I was down to 118. 
Holy mackerel. Whoa. Yeah. So it's just been like, it's been like, you know, like drugs and then like gaining weight because of not using anymore and then losing because of an eating disorder and then gaining because no eating disorder. And then, you know, it's just been like my body's been through hell. So have you had the eating disorder treated per se? Um, no, I, it was so weird. I was like, so I was, when I was like really insecure about my body and comparing myself to other people a lot, that's when it was just at its worst. And then when I got into strength training and I cared more about like being strong, I, I, I just kind of stopped binging and purging. Now you may not want to talk about this and that's fine, but I, I can't mm-hmm. help but ask that, but when it's, we sort of used to call it the trifecta, which was eating eating disorder, addiction, and cutting. And you may mm-hmm. not cut, but you do a lot of tatting, and that's sort of in that mm-hmm. same sort of zone. It, it, that usually yeah. means some big childhood trauma. Is, did something happen? No. So what? So my parents were together when I was a kid, and we lived, grew up in Hawaii. Um, we didn't have nice. a lot of money. Everything was fine. And then my sister was born, and she actually had a very serious heart condition, that she got diagnosed with when she was young. And I was by no means neglected ever by my parents. But like when your baby sister from the ages of two to eight is going through heart surgery, open heart surgeries and recoveries and right. you know, everything so, like that. Like, and so when oh. I, when I, when I asked, was there a childhood trauma? The answer is yes, there was chronic trauma because my sister was having horrible life threatening surgeries yeah. when I yeah. was a young child. That is horrible trauma. Yeah, and I mean, my dad did used it. to go ahead. Your dad used to what? I'm sorry. My dad used to have to explain it to her and I for us to oh. understand it. He would say, "You know, when I clip your toenails," and we would say, "Yeah," and he would have to say, "That's what the doctors have to do to Maria's heart because oh it's sick." Oh my god! Jeez. And I remember hit my sister when she's three, and I'm eight. My dad's telling her this, and I remember just shaking in the back of the car, not knowing what to do because I couldn't even keep my shit together for her and. Yeah, it was it was hard because like okay. she wasn't allowed to do things I was allowed to do because she had a heart condition and it you know it was and I just I started that's around the time I started acting out was when she was going through all of that. So that's profound. Yeah. Profound profound. That's uh, makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it it does seem like it, it, I, unfortunately it probably snowballed into the point where you had to go through that final weekend and it all culminated to there. But looking at you now, I mean, I, I look back at someone uh, as someone who is intimidated to try to start one business. I mean, I really am. I, it's a, the idea seems so daunting, and I'm you know 15 years older than you, uh, uh, and and I just, just doesn't seem like it's something that's realistic. And you not only have you know businesses that are purely for monetary gain, you're doing it as philanthropy too. It's uh, it's really quite admirable. Where, where did you get that spark now? Where you wanted to start, you started to uh, incorporate recovery with fitness, which is a, yeah. which is an awesome, awesome combination. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It was so since I knew that lifting is what, like largely what kept me sober. Like I knew at some point in time I wanted to give that back somehow. So when I was living in Southern California, I also knew I wanted to own a gym, but I was twenty five, twenty six, and I didn't think owning a gym was going to happen anytime soon. So on Sundays, that was the day we would deadlift for power for our powerlifting training. And that's when donuts and deadlifts started. And it started as just a hashtag. I would bring the donuts to the gym on Sunday. We'd hashtag donuts and deadlifts. Uh, everybody else thought it was stupid. It was just my little thing I did on Sundays. So meanwhile, like all these people are starting to do donuts and deadlift stuff too. And like they're eating it up and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Um, when I got sober and I realized I needed to leave Southern California because that was, you know, the prime reason I was drinking, um, I moved to New York City with absolutely no plan at all whatsoever. And um, that was when I got to New York City, it was around the time I started Donuts and Deadlifts. So lucky enough for me that like, you know, created lucrative revenue kind of almost on accident. Um, cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. There was, I knew I wanted to open a gym. I didn't know how the hell I was going to afford it because I didn't have any income. Cause I left my job, personal training in Southern California. <laughs> so I'm like, how am I going to open a gym in New York city or, or Reno or anywhere? So I started donuts and deadlifts essentially on accident. Um, and once that money started coming in, I knew I had to save it to open the gym. So I used the donuts and deadlifts money. I saved up a quarter million dollars. I opened the gym. And then from the day I opened that gym, I started giving away free memberships to recovering addicts in Reno. It started with friends that I knew who were getting sober or wanted to get sober. People, you know, people who I knew from when I was in AA in Reno. Um, That's how it started. And then it, it turned into a word of mouth thing. And then next thing you know, I have people banging down my doors to join my gym for free. (laughs) (laughs) what's happened right well it's a beautiful idea the idea that you would be opening up you know spreading your wings and opening up the idea of recovery through fitness and and vice versa and fitness through recovery Mm -hmm. um and how do you feel like it's been something that you can confidently say has kept people sober uh you know or at least i don't want to say kept people sober has been a tool to help keep people sober in the in the reno area yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't. Did you guys see the GoFundMe video? I have not. No. Um, GoFund. So, essentially, I have been dumping about ten thousand dollars a month of my own income from my other businesses into this program to fund it because it doesn't have any funding, and I am kind of hard headed and I have an ego and I think if I want something, I have to pay for it myself. That's just how I've always been raised, and that's how I am. So essentially, um. That's what was happening. And my accountant kept telling me I had to stop giving away free memberships <laughs> and that I was just hemorrhaging money. Mm. And uh, <laughs> essentially, there was like no plan in place. So I finally started asking for help um, and funding. And I did it through GoFundMe because I've never had to, I've never actually asked people for money before. I didn't know how to do that. GoFundMe was the only way I knew how to ask for money, the, the right way or the official legitimate way, however you want to say it. So I started the Reps for Recovery campaign on March 24th of 2017. And GoFundMe didn't notice it until December. And then they emailed me in December and they were like, how the hell did we not notice what you're doing? This is amazing. This is like an actual real campaign we want to bring attention to. So I couldn't believe it. And then they told me they were going to come to Reno and film a little documentary on us. So they, they got a hold of a bunch of my members who were in the program and interviewed them on the phone and stuff. And I, I was kind of in the dark. And then they essentially showed up to Reno and a bunch of my members in the program came down to the gym and did interviews. And like, I actually, I'm shaking again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I actually heard two of them say that the reason they're sober is because of the gym and reps for recovery oh. and me and my team and that they would not be otherwise. And that was like, I literally just burst. I couldn't even handle hearing that. Like, oh. And then I was like, we need to get more people in here like (laughs) immediately. And so we haven't had any money to do that because I only have like 50 paying members in my gym. Um, 
Reno, it's Reno, Nevada, and there's 16 CrossFit gyms and we're out in the middle of nowhere and sparks and a big warehouse. And it's just, it's, it's hard, you know, sure. it's not donuts and deadlifts. It's not, it's not an online business. And so I have like 50 paying members and way more non-paying members. And essentially like I've just been having to turn people away. And so since GoFundMe came and did their story on us and hung out with us for a week and saw what we were doing. I now have $85,000 in funding. Nice. Amazing. Is there, and uh, is there something you can plug so that we can hopefully bump that up even more? Yeah, it's, it's GoFundMe. If you just go to GoFundMe and go to reps for recovery, um, we stretched reps. our goal to 120,000. So, okay. Reps for recovery. Yeah. Reps for recovery. yeah. It's fantastic. So I'm a little confused. What you're, you're back and forth between New York and Reno. Uh, no, no, no. So I essentially, I wanted, I, I got a space for a gym in New York city and that was around the time all the, the plagiarism stuff happened oh, I see. and I pulled the plug on the whole thing. And I was like, I need to deal with this. Opening a gym is not important right now. Like I, I need to get my career back got it. and like make, make shit right. You know? Yeah. So I scrapped the whole gym. We had the, I was about to sign the lease. Like I got wow. the papers before I went on that trip and I scratched, I scrapped the whole thing. And I said like, I need, I need to be living back in Reno again. And, um, that's where my family was. That's where I just, I just, if I wanted to create this program and open this gym, I had to do it in the community where I struggled. Got it. There's shit like that in New York city for people. There's not in Reno. Right. Right. And Reno's like one of the highest risk communities in the country. Though I could still see your, this kind of thing having a really huge impact in, in New York. Please, yeah, that's, please, the, the, that's the plan. Yeah, please let me know locations. if you do that because I spend a lot of time in the city. I'd love to see what you're doing. There. Okay, yeah, yeah awesome. Dr. Drew runs New York. He pretty much <laughs> he's taking over for I, Trump now that Trump is spent a lot of time there. But. Um, you know, to to wrap things up, what would you say to uh, you know, uh, particularly uh, I think a lot of females who are interested in fitness have this aversion to going heavy, yeah, and this aversion to eating complete meals now barring your your medical condition now this is you're someone who's been down the road of eating but this is actually this is a big question yeah i don't know if you're saying wrap up but this we might have a chapter you know from from your professional opinion and and to the female listeners yeah because because i don't think women do they 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 do not contemplate uh lifting heavy weights as a as a option for them and it really should be one of the prominent ones now i will say uh before crossfit has helped out Immensely, CrossFit oh, yeah. has gotten more women to get barbells on their back than anything else in the history of mankind. Yeah, and for oh, yeah. that, it deserves. But a, let's a lot take of, it all the way, though. Yeah, no, but but what do you say to our female listeners, though, to the idea of you know really beefing up the amount they eat and lifting heavy for for the sake of looking like a normal, beautiful human, not looking like a giant uh, monster with a right. steroid chin? Yeah. Mm. Well, the thing that like I think women don't realize is like your bi- your body is going to be a byproduct of whatever you put it through, and there's no feeling in the world like getting strong. There's no feeling in the world like being an able-bodied woman. I have had 10 abs <laughs> and I have had striations and I have had veins and been vascular. And that all that was was being good at dieting and being good at, at being hungry and understanding how to be hungry. There's nothing remotely impressive or rewarding about that in my opinion. But strength training is different and it, it's the most empowering feeling in the world to get strong and, you know, to know that you're just able-bodied. And I, I, that's what I tell every, all these girls that come into my gym who are newly sober, that hitting, you know, hitting a body weight squat for the first time is going to taste better than any drink. And the second they feel that and experience that, like it's the most rewarding feeling in the world. And there's, 
I don't know why women are afraid to lift. I, it, it still baffles me. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they, it, don't it understand. they don't understand what it can do for them. And they also don't understand what you're describing, which is the, the feeling that we like and enjoy, right. but women don't yeah, get exposed to. They don't, they're not doing it in high school. They're not exposed to it. And so we, yeah. we need to bring women into this. Right. It's, and it's like, it comes down to a feeling like, forget, yeah. forget what you're going to look like, forget it. Because you don't have to worry about what you're going to look like if you're lifting weights and you're training properly. And even a call CrossFit is, is lifting weights fastly. And look at, look at those girls' bodies. Like yeah. they look beautiful yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be super, super ridiculous, heavy one rep maxes all the time. Like it no, can be no. a combination of everything, yeah. but the second you stop worrying about what your body looks like and you start worrying about what it feels like and how it performs, what it looks like falls into place for you and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Every time. That's a great note. Well, honestly, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And I want to uh, encourage everybody. Again, it's reps for recovery at mm-hmm. GoFundMe. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Chrissy May. How, how did you come across Chrissy May? Just curious. Uh, I, I saw a write-up about her and about reps for recovery. Wow. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, to look at the, the GoFundMe video. But uh. I saw a, a, just an article about uh. it. And, you know, in uh, in my many nights perusing meathead websites yes. you know you go to link to link after link after link and it, and it, you know i just i saw a, a f- fitness uh professional uses uh uses her gym for uh recovery, recovery for addiction yeah. i was like oh that has me written all yeah. over it yeah, yeah next thing you know i was like we got to get this girl on the podcast yeah. and uh, yeah you gotta watch the video go fund me did it's like six or seven minutes it's so good they, they killed it nice well i really appreciate yeah. you coming on the podcast and i, I really appreciate you um, diving into stuff that I could tell was probably not easy for you to, to, to open up about, but uh, it means a lot, and I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, yeah well, no problem. Well done. Is there anywhere else we Thank could uh, lead the listeners besides the GoFundMe page? Any uh, websites or uh, socials that you want to pimp out? Just my Instagram. You can find out everything you need to know about me there. At, Chrissy uh, May Cagney. At Chrissy May Cagney. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. it. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. You betcha. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I want to mention our friends at Bergamot Sport, a supplement that provides all the cardiovascular benefits of the original Bergamot, but with additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with active lifestyles. Bergamot Sport is recommended and used by professional and college athletes throughout the world, helps them improve stamina, reduce recovery time, and muscle inflammation. Bergamot Sport is informed sport certified, so athletes can feel confident that it's all natural and it has been banned substance tested. But even if you're not a pro athlete or just getting a workout once a week or so, Bergamot Sport is still worth a try. It can help you work out harder, recover easier, without worrying about being sore or tired the next day. I've used the products myself. I've recommended them to patients. We use them in our family. And I've done so just as physicians and cardiologists around the world have done. And Bergamot Plus is excellent for what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which has just passed all other forms of liver disease in terms of causing cirrhosis. So it's something that is... So it's something that is a major health issue presently and needs to be paid attention to. For a limited time, our listeners can save 10% on their order by entering code DRDREW at checkout. That is D-R-D-R-E-W, all one word. Try Bergamot Sport for yourself. Visit bergamot.com, that is B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com, or just click the Bergamot banner at drdrew.com. Hey, everybody, it is the Swole Patrol Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Catherwood. And Dr. Drew is at Dr. Drew, of course. Join the email list today. Send your questions at drdrew.com slash contact and put Swole at the top of the email so we can get your comments. And this will get you a weekly email reminder with a link to this show and all the great shows that Dr. Drew and I do and all the shows that Dr. Drew does by himself and, of course, with Adam Carolla, the great ace man. 
please tell a friend and subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to rate us five stars. And on Podbean or Google Play, all three help us out. We also are on YouTube slash Dr. Drew, and I uh, hope you can give us all your comments, even if they're if you're a troll and you want to destroy our feelings and our emotions. Support our sponsors and the show. Click on the banners on drdrew.com for the links to, uh, to products. For special discounts for the products, Dr. Drew and I endorse 100%. Send questions and comments to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swole Patrol Podcast, or on Twitter at Swole Patrol Pod. Also browse drdrew.com for the This Life podcast that I co-host on occasion and all the other shows available like uh, Adam and Dr. Drew and the This Life podcast. A lot of great stuff. Um, don't forget to check me out on uh, K-Rock in the mornings on the Kevin and Bean Show. And uh, be good. Be swole. Hashtag swole patrol.